Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. We are with Nicole Gibson. Nicole, you are the founder of the Love Out Loud <laughs> movement. I am. We've only got about 45 minutes, I think, to do this show. Yeah. So let's dive into this 40. combo. About 40 minutes? Yeah. All right, let's dive into this. It's going to be a good chat. It's going to be a good chat, a quick chat, and maybe yep. we can do this again. Mm -hmm. um, so what's the Love Out Loud movement? What are you doing? Let me share this for you. All right, cool. All right. Love Out Loud is a movement that I founded about a year and a half ago. Okay. With a 2020 vision. Yes. Of enrolling 350 million people in the message of love. Cool. 350 um, million people in 18 months. That was the vision. 18 months. Right, yep. cool. And we're on our way. And I actually I had a lot of people ask me along the way, you know, how, how are you going to measure that for one? And I always had this feeling that there was going to be some sort of um, collective happening that yeah. brought um, universal awareness to a single point of focus had this feeling that that's how it was going to roll. Yeah. And so when COVID hit, I was really like, wow, okay, this is um, as heartbreaking as it has been to see so much tragedy in the world. I think there's a really powerful opportunity in what, what's been happening because mm. for the first time in recorded history, really, there's been the whole of humanity focusing in a single direction, mm. which is incredibly powerful when you have that collective attention. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of that attention has been fear and panic and anxiety. Yeah. So a big part of what we've been focusing on as a movement the past few months is how do we take the attention that's being invested in, in that direction and actually mobilize people towards a more loving and compassionate view of the world. Perfect. Um, yeah, which is what we're all about. The reason we chose 350 million is that's a tipping point. So in physics, they talk about critical mass and they reckon a minimum of 4% is what it takes to actually bring a counterculture or an ideology or a way of life um, to the mainstream. So 350 million people is 4% of the global population. That's right. We get th that tipping point of people focused on love and that will then sweep through the rest of the population. Yeah, it's just going to be like a... This like is, a wildfire. This is, this is how I kind of see it. It's like a, a single moment where enough people are choosing the same thing at the same time yep. that it creates this like quantum leap into a completely different timeline And for on the humanity. last episode we were talking about the 100th monkey syndrome the, yeah. with the monkeys and it spreads through their collective consciousness. It's a really great example. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I can share the story again for those of you that don't know. So this story is a story of how... Um, science has proven that there's a intelligence that's beyond just what we can tangibly know and feel and see or yeah. otherwise known as a collective intelligence or a collective consciousness. So this scientist wanted to prove it um, and he found this island of monkeys. There were a group of islands of monkeys, but they couldn't swim between the islands, so the monkeys had no way of meeting each other, yeah. uh, who had never seen bananas before. And so he went to the first island and gave the first lot of monkeys these bananas and they'd never seen them before. They couldn't figure out how to open them. So they were smashing them. They were trying to bite them. And then eventually they realized, okay, I can peel it. But it took them about a day. Then he went to the next island. The monkeys didn't get tipped off by the first group of monkeys in any way. And it took them 50% less time. Mm. Then he went to the third island and the monkeys knew how to open the bananas straight away. And it defied the laws of probability. And there have been thousands of tests like this. What it speaks to is a collective consciousness mm. that how does a two-year-old know how to use an iPad? How does it just mm. know how to use an iPad? There's a collective consciousness now that is encoded in how we um, think and how we exist as, as a species or as any species. That's part of evolution. Totally. We've, had to, we've had to know that. So that's always been an idea that's really inspired me is, you know, changing the world, it's going to take more than just what we, um, what we know we know. There's mm. got to be a, another level of thinking that we need to access in order to be able to mobilise that many people. I love what you're talking about. There's so much fear focus right now. Mm. And when this COVID thing started, you know, I've been going into that conspiracy stuff for 20 years, let's say, right, mm -hmm. figuring it out. And when this happened, I did the same thing. I was like, okay, what's the agenda? It's like knowing your enemy sort of idea. Mm. I had to know what was going on. So I went down the rabbit hole, looked at it, saw the amount of fear, stepped back, and as an innovator, you like to use the word leader, as a leader, I'm like, okay, how can I be of most service and then channel my energy into, and we're doing exactly the same thing here, which mm. is why this conversation is happening, love. Yeah. Love is the ultimate answer for all things. Mm. And yet I notice on social media, most of the posts that are trending 
fear. Yeah. Right. Even me, I make well, a post. It's highly contagious. It's highly contagious, <laughs> but it, and it takes. Love is more contagious. That's the good news. <laughs> yeah, but it <laughs> maybe moves at a slower wavelength. It just doesn't have collective. Um, buy-in yeah that's how mm. I see it is like we're so and when you study the human brain it, it indicates too that when you become familiar with something everything about how you're moving about your day is is helping you get closer to what it is you're already familiar with yeah. until you really learn how the human and brain the works. media has made us familiar with fear that's what I mean well that's just our what systems are built on fear totally um, yeah it's it's a very familiar state mm. and it's also deeply ingrained in our biology as survival. Fight and flight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what got us here. Yeah. But we're in constant fight and flight now and those hormones are just ripping the essence out of us. Totally. And it's, it's the opposite of that peace, harmony, God vibration, love vibration, the vibration of the planet herself mm. that we are naturally here to resonate in. Yeah, presence. Total presence, exactly, yeah. yeah. So like you're saying, we've been conditioned to be mm. excitable mm. and I imagine in my mind as we're talking about that, that like a wavelength, yeah. it moves Constant faster stimulus. but it dies out quicker. Yeah. Whereas a low, like a wave on the ocean that takes a very long time, the mm. surf is always better on yeah. a ground swell than a wind chop. Mm. Um, but it takes a little while to get on it, right? Yeah. So love is coming back. Totally. I, I think, yeah, that's so true. I almost see it like love can sometimes be unsatisfying to the human ego because yeah. it's so content. <laughs> and we've been so programmed to not be that way that's and right. to constantly be seeking more and wanting more. And, um, yeah, it, it definitely programs our nervous system to be in that constantly. So even when we do have love and a sense of presence and – and everything's going to be okay, there's a pattern in so many of us. It's like, let's fuck it up. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's <Drama>. destroy that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Need the drama. Exactly. To feel normal. Well, that's, well what is the whole thing about uh, being, being normal in an in a inherently sick society is still not a good thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the whole thing is they're very sick. Do I want to be like that? Mm. You spoke before we came on live about, and because we've done this three times now, there's a few conversations, <laughs> threads. simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in the ether or the <laughs> internet land yeah. about the state of affairs right now in the world mm. and how you feel the Australian people mm. are in such a comfortable, it's really discomfort, but a normalisation of discomfort, a, a numbed state yeah. that will the Australian people actually take a stand for what totally. is right? I got really shut down for speaking on this the other day. Well, let's have a conversation <laughs> yeah, about it because I'm feeling the same. And it's like I, I actually first want to preface by saying I love this country and I also want to acknowledge the traditional here. owners of, of this particular land, this area of the Gold Coast in particular. It's a very beautiful space and place. Yeah. So thank you to the ancestors that made it possible for us to utilize this space in such an amazing way. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I feel Australians often don't um, have a reason to become informed and educated mm. because often pain, adversity, suffering is the quickest way to grow and um, discomfort. You know, when you look at art scenes, pl places like um, cities in the States and London and, and Berlin, these cities have really massive art scenes because there's a huge amount of discomfort. Mm -hmm. It's not a comfortable city to live in. So through that, culture is created. Through that, subculture is created. Counterculture is created. Art is created. But here it's like it doesn't matter what you do. Life's all good, you yeah. know. Like there's beautiful beaches. There's nice places to live. The food quality is you know, better than many places Government gives you money right now. Yeah, <laughs> You don't exactly. even have to worry like, about it. Yeah, Australians right now are so pacified. As a business owner, you've been pacified as well. You, we haven't felt the hit yet. Never had a recession. Um, like in 30 years, Australia's not even felt any global economic shockwaves. Potentially change come September. That's when just the my money prediction. stops being pumped. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not to put fear into the collective, but mm. I think we'll feel the hit. You mm. know, we haven't felt it. We're in honeymoon phase yeah. right now for sure. Aussies have seen this as a holiday. Yeah, totally. Let's, let's just stay home. And, and I've been and working harder than ever before, probably <laughs> yeah. you too, right? 100%. <laughs> Getting ready. Our, our movement scaled like tenfold over the past few months. Beautiful. Um, because I saw this as my invitation to, to lean mm. in and to lead and not mm. – as an excuse to sit back and stay at home and drink no, beers. No, Netflix you know? and yeah. beers? What are you doing? It's, it's very Aussie, isn't it? But I think the conversation we were having was in relation to this land mm. and I see so many Australians on my social media talk about what's happening in the States right now and 
I think we're on the verge, well, they're on the verge of a civil war. I live in LA, so that's why I said we. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we can have all the opinions about that, and yet we're not looking in our own backyard as Australians mm. to uh, to really understand and acknowledge the genocide that happened here a couple hundred years ago, if that. Um, Started a couple hundred years ago. That's right. <laughs> Still yeah. going now if you look into Aboriginal communities. 100%. Oh, and the, uh, there's more Indigenous people in prison, and I learned this working in mental health. I mm. did a lot of work in rural communities around Australia. We can talk about that. Um, there are more Indigenous people in prison now than there were um, blacks during Nelson Mandela's time, you know, and it's not that's not known by many mm. Australians and for really, you know, nominal charges as well, yeah, it's like driving offences and mm. it's, um, it's heartbreaking. There's one thing to know that this pain exists on this land. It's another thing to not even recognise that that pain exists on this land. And, you know, Elliot and I were talking before, we haven't even started our healing journey. Mm. Like Aussies are still in denial that that's, that's even a thing. So healing can only begin when something's been acknowledged fully and, and wholeheartedly and properly. And I actually spoke on my Instagram last night about really getting curious around your um, bloodline and your ancestry mm. and understanding what you're carrying unconsciously. Mm. As a European, I'm carrying that shame. I'm carrying that bloodshed in my in my DNA. Totally. And um, mm. that's now my responsibility because I have an awareness of that to, mm. to transmute that and to forgive myself and, and forgive <clears throat> makes me emotional thinking about it. Mm. Just I think Australians can be very ignorant mm. and um, – We've had we have developed a culture which is just so geared towards numbing, mm -hmm. um, numbing out any feeling, mm -hmm. or only expressing emotion. Mm -hmm. You know, under because we haven't acknowledged that healing, like you're saying. There's mm -hmm. there's blood on this land, mm -hmm. quite literally, and even before Australia, you know, like mm -hmm. the Europeans, you talked about ego versus that. Um, connection that the presence. Mm. My understanding of the indigenous cultures is there's just a deeper level of presence with what is totally. It's and just the, the reality. Yeah, and the 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 Westerners, the Europeans, we have been conditioned into fear, mm. ego. <clears throat> the two are synonymous. Yeah, and we are pretty much if there's a polarity, which well, it's, still it's divide is, and conquer. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Whereas when you really understand more about um, the the way the indigenous people lived here it was it was in harmony total, total harmony. harmony with one with, another with the land with the, land. With the seasons mm. with everything yeah and that's i believe that there is a new um like you talked about bloodlines or a new genetic code that's coming through us mm. right now where we are coming back into that harmony mm. through the the energetic field the dna everything <clears throat> that is back in line with how the indigenous people lived yeah but as a um a society with technology mm. and not having to have so. one without the other. We have to be. Yeah. I mean, she would not, and she's I guiding think, us. I think as well, I think we can transcend our biology. I want to say that. I believe so too. Through, well, biology, belief, yeah. the, the work that he's doing for sure. And we have to. Mm. My understanding of this planet is she speaks through us, right? Yeah. I had dinner last night. That's now part of my cellular makeup. That's right. Which is part of my energetic vibration, which is part of my connection to source. Yeah. So I'm eating her. I am her. She is me. Yeah. And like any mother, mm. mother always takes care of her children. That's just natural. Yeah. She's guiding us away from the fear, yeah. the divide and conquer, the ego, the separation, the pain, yeah. and back into, hey, my children, mm. energetically vibrating through us, through the food source, mm. through the rocks that we live upon, right. through the sky. She's guiding us back. And for me, it's about us now surrendering the fear and ego, the manipulation. Yeah, we're so held. We are held. And this is like, you know, everything that um, Love Out Loud stands for is I know the moments of awakening I've had um, just actually realising or allowing myself to feel just how deeply loved we are. Yeah. You know, and that's actually had a friend share with me the other day um, something really beautiful. He said, the reason you know how to touch people is because you know what touches you. Mm, and totally. um, it's those moments, you know, it's the, of actually allowing myself to receive that love that is available to all of us, just mm. complete unconditional love, like the way Gaia, the way the earth loves us is through no force and it's so unconditional. Mm. The sun will shine on you no matter 
the sins you've committed in the past doesn't discriminate. The grass will um, will be there to support you and ground you, no matter who you are, where mm. you come from. This is completely um, unconditional. That's love. unconditional. Love. Yeah, That's and, right. and yet look not at, a concept look at humans, of humans. The way that we're fighting each other right now, mm. it's let's just learn from the example that is given to us so freely and so generously in every moment. And yet we have been totally disconnected from that unconditional love. We were talking about uh, our food source. Mm. When this all went down, I launched I launched Permacare as a way to bring food back into our homes and back into a relationship with us. Yeah. Food now is ripped away from families, Yeah. right? We talk about getting back to nature. Totally. That's more than just going out and grounding or going to the forest. Yeah. It's like we are nature and yeah. yet it's been people are being pushed off the farms. It's only monocrop scale, big scale farms now. Mm. The ordinary person, we don't have that connection. So how do we – so the question continues then is how are we expected to have a relationship with unconditional love mm. that she, Gaia, Mother Earth, is always giving us, yeah. right? And like the Aboriginal people had, listening, mm. learning. We had um, Ramakachin here the other day mm. talking about listening. we got to listen to her again. Yeah. And getting out of this, and this is the way Love Out Loud, I think, and, and what we're doing is the same is, okay, we've got all this fear. You want to keep feeding it? Is it going to help you? Mm. we got to change the dial, change the channel. And actually ask yourself in that, like, how is it serving you? Yeah. And I think that that can be so hard for people to come to terms with is your, have to your stay investment informed. in fear. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's, it's serving you in some way. Yeah. There's, um, there's a part of you. And, like, if you want to go really deep, this is the work that we do in our retreats and our, our trainings is getting to the core of actually there's a part of you that doesn't feel worthy and, mm. and enough to receive that love and you're unconsciously rejecting it in mm. all, in all forms. You know, I was sharing some of my story earlier going through um, an eating disorder growing up. That's what I was experiencing both sides. I was rejecting the love that was there and also because the people in my life who loved me, I know they did so deeply they didn't know how to lean in to what I was going through though because they could not be present with that in themselves, that vulnerability, that fragility that I was representing that was phys- that I was physically wearing as well. They didn't know how to be with that. So it manifested in all of these ways of avoidance and hesitation and awkwardness and insecurity that was constantly showing up in my space, which for me that felt like I was constantly being dehumanised mm. and um that's like at the core of it, that until you do this work on yourself to actually love yourself, to receive love and to build that relationship first and foremost with you, which is the center point of everything that you experience in life, you're the perceiver of your entire reality. The relationship with you is what's reflected in all things. Until you do that work, then you're going to be rejecting mm-hmm. that love, How, however it shows up in a, in a relationship with a human, in relationship to nature, in relationship to your passion and your purpose and, and your career, everything. So how do you guide people through that journey back to loving themselves? Yeah. You know, the what I've seen to be the answer is so simple and it's so simple that people overlook it. You know, like what I learned working in mental health, the way that I went about doing that work was by bringing community together. Mm. And that was considered a very um, like alternative approach, crazy, right, to, to mental health back then. There was a leading thought, which was mental health is a biological predisposition. You'll mm. never... You'll never get better. You can only manage it. Wow. You'll never be cured. Which and that's is, recently. Yeah, this is like or 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. The stigma is still there. I think we've come a long way with campaigning and, you know, advocacy and ambassadorship. Like politicians and, and sports leaders now talk about mental health. That mm. was not a thing 10 years ago. It was a conversation that no one wanted to have, mm. <laughs> like period, let alone about vulnerability. But part of my premise was there are cultural and environmental reasons why this epidemic continues to grow, which was considered like ridiculous, you know, that it was only biological and and mental and that was it. It's like Darwinism. It's the animal. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. It's like, are you saying that your environment and the culture, Mm -hmm. which is informing how we treat each other, our relationship with ourselves and how we treat each other has nothing to do with this escalating rate of suicide and addiction and mental illness. It's just ridiculous like that that was even thought that way. So I went about 
creating the change that I wanted to see in the world. And that was, um, you know, took a lot of risk and a lot of courage from, from my side going into communities and having the conversation that no one wanted to have. Mm. I shared a story recently on my social media about going to one of my first communities. Uh, when you say community, can you? Rural communities. Rural, rural indigenous yeah. community or? Um, there's very few all indigenous communities left in Australia. Okay. So there were um, high percents of indigenous population. sort of things still though, like Aboriginal communities. Yeah, no, more like um, like Central Queensland, gotcha, like gotcha. Western Australia, you know, communities yeah. that only have populaces of like two, 300 people. But normal town, like small town, rural, small yeah, town. Tiny, yeah, tiny. Okay. Like, yeah, wow. you know, the school would have 20 people in it cool. sort of thing. Yeah. So I did a lot of that work. That was the first three years of my journey was going and traveling to those communities and having these conversations and opening up sharing circles. And this is where I learned a lot about Indigenous culture. Mm. And it touched me so deeply, you know, again, like the simplicity of how they went about connection was so inspiring to me. I think we're so caught up that we've forgotten how simple it can be. But what this work taught me again and again and again through bringing people together, having spaces where there were, you know, there were agreements like non-judgment and safety and, and love, you know, and compassion, mm. listening it gave people space to speak what was true for them. And what I recognized was healing is a natural process. We're designed to heal, whether that's psychologically, spiritually, whether that's through our connection to the land physically, physically. exactly. Like it's no different, right? The cut, we know that when we it's cut ourselves, heal. it's going to heal. If you give it the right environment, exactly. it will heal. Exactly. And um, the right awareness, you know, the mm. reason I use this example all the time, we look at a cut is because there's an intelligence in us that's like we need to address this. Mm -hmm. And yet what's our relationship with our emotion? It's oh, I feel something, fuck, i got to get like as f far away from that as I possibly that's can. Right. Suppress it. Yeah. Oh, go, go. Eat, eat, eat. yeah. Social media, everything, yeah. like even the busyness of life. Certainly. Relationships even can yeah. be that distraction Numbing. too that's taking you away rather than and people wonder why they're not experiencing intimacy mm. so the work started to show me actually as a facilitator I also didn't realize that that's what I was um it was like years later that someone said oh you're a facilitator and I was like that's the thing like I was just being the change that I wanted to see you know mm. that I didn't have in my life as a teenager I aspired to be that um what I started to see was the less I did and the less I interfered and the less I said and the more just calm and, and present and gentle I was in my approach, um, the more the healing occurred. Mm -hmm. And it taught me that pretty much everything I'd learnt in Western culture was taking me away, you know, mm -hmm. taking me away from the essence of who I am. And there's such an infinite power that is so... Um, it just has nothing to prove. And I think that that's so unsatisfying in, in a civilization that's built on individualism and yeah. significance, mm -hmm. which is like I have to be someone, you that's know, right. and I have to be someone compared to who you are mm -hmm. and I've got to fight my way to the top and I have to win and I have to compete. What I learned was it's the total opposite. Mm -hmm. Like through the declaration of your insignificance, when, when you relinquish the self and you actually connect to um, – the realities of what's natural and what we're actually connected to, including each other, anything is possible. Yeah. Miracles happen. Mm -hmm. I've seen it like time and time and time again. I see miracles every day. Mm -hmm. I had to let go of the disbelief. Uh, so I had to start to believe that that it was possible so I could seek and find. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is one thing that I hope Love Out Loud brings to people is a, is a set of um, – you know, foundation, foundational ideas of how to experience life in, in a more beautiful, loving way. And when people first hear that, it can be really triggering for them. Like mm. love is your nature, you know, that anything is possible. Mm. When, when someone who's been repressed and in pain and in suffering hears that for the first time, it's fucking triggering. Like I remember my psychologist when mm. I was 16, that was the first doctor I saw to recover from anorexia she said to me, you're going to get better. And that was like, it hurt to hear that. Mm. Cause I was like, you how dare you, exactly. Yeah. How dare you tell me like mm. that I'm choosing this basically mm. is how I interpreted that mm. comment. But through the, um, 
the ongoing process of ex- being exposed to that possibility, something in my consciousness started to change its focus. And her um, immense belief in you. Totally. It yeah. sounded like you had no one that could really hold that space. That's right. And then she was that saw through yeah. the pain to who you really are and allowed you through that window to glimpse. 100%. Yeah. And this is all it is. It's a redirection of possibility and focus. And like, it's that simple that, and this is how loved you are. This is how abundant life truly is. As soon as you place your awareness over something, like it's already yours. You're not separate from it. Like you're one with that thing. Um, and yet if you've been in this program of I'm not enough and I have to fight and- Which we're all under that program. Yeah. That's been the conditioning for generations. Totally. We spoke earlier about the healing of the generations mm. and I, I feel that same, and again, it was in take one or two, but I feel that same process that I'm going through in my life is the generations of men before me, of mm. women before me, you know, grandparents, great-grandparents, all of that, how much pain and disconnection that they've been through. Yeah. I have a two-year-old boy mm. who is an angel. Like this kid is a literal angel. Yeah. And I say, I've got broad shoulders. I'm strong enough to do the healing for my ancestors today through me mm. so that my son doesn't have to carry that pain Amazing. forward, right? And I yeah. believe that's the time that we're in right now. Mm. There is this great awakening or this- It's an initiation. Right that's now it's an initiation. That's how I see it. It's, yeah. like a, it's like a collective rite of passage. Totally. And um, That's what, a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, what people don't understand is like initiation is painful. It's meant to be difficult. It's yeah. going into the darkness yeah. and coming back to the light. And afterwards there's an incredible reward, which is a transformed self, yeah. uh, a self that you get to meet, which is- bigger and and stronger and um, more powerful and more able and more um, in control of, of their fears than the person that you were prior. Uh, yeah. um, and we've that, got to, we actually owe that, I think, to the next generation. To ourselves, to one another and those yeah. to come. And with traditional rites of passage, of which I've been very involved in for many years, mm. the boon that you return with, that gift that you have uh, come is the gift that you give to your people, to your tribe. Yeah. And so traditional, like I spent a lot, I grew up in far north Queensland, so I grew yeah. up with a lot of Indigenous people. I had my own rite of passage walkabout at 23. Amazing. And then I lived in California for 12 months producing a TV show called Walkabout, taking wow. at-risk teens into nature, doing a rite of passage Amazing. through adventure sports. This was 13 years ago now. Yeah. <laughs> Getting on. But the so great. That was amazing work. And it is exactly what we're going through. Mm. The community, and we're going to speak deeper about that, holds space for that person when they're called to go out on totally. their rite of passage. And then as they return with the boon. Yeah, there's a celebration. A celebration. Acknowledgement. And a saying like, okay, now that you're back through this rite of passage, we are here to hold you to grow into the person that brings that boon, that gift, because that uplifts all of us. That's right. There was a recognition that there was a transformation that needed to be held and seen and acknowledged. And that's like, I'm very passionate about rite of passage work. Fantastic. I started to see it when I was working. I worked a lot in schools when I was traveling to communities and just this like, really very clear distinction between having a conversation with a nine-year-old and having a conversation with a 13-year-old and just the difference in their confidence and their ability to to speak their truth and talk about what they wanted to be, you know, and and what was real for them was um, polar opposites. A nine-year-old would be like fighting the other nine-year-olds to talk about that and a 13, 14-year-old was looking at their shoes like literally contracting Mm -hmm. at in the face of that question. And I was only 18 myself, you know, so I was, I would ask parents and teachers like, why, why is it like this? And the answer I consistently got was that's just being a teenager. And I just like refused. I was like, this is not a, a byproduct of becoming a teenager. Mm. This, there's something more here. Well, it's the the non-acknowledgement in That's our society. That's what I mean. There's a transition that, that needs that, to be marked. That has to happen. Yeah. That there's all no indigenous guidance. cultures had some sort of a rite of passage. Yeah. In women, have the the first bleed. Mm. Um, I'm t- talking. We're putting on a rite of passage now. 
for wow, boys amazing. in our community. Yeah, yeah. something we're working on. But the women had the first bleed and a, yeah. a, a Tani, a friend of mine who's really deep into the work, said that women would come together and celebrate that yeah. girl going into womanhood yeah. uh, for boys and men. Mm. And I've done rites of passage at the Green School in Bali yeah. and the facilitator, yes, yeah, she's here and we're putting one on here, would go to the boys and say, say goodbye to your mum, mm. you're coming with us. Yeah. Oh, right. But in culture, they would know. In our culture, yeah. it's a little bit like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And we would take the boys away from the women, from mum. Yeah. Right. Because they need to let go of that mother energy that nurtured them to there. Yeah. And now you step through the challenge. Yeah. Out there, you know, facing your demons. Come back. We play music as they come back. Mm. Like celebrate them. The the parents come. We celebrate together. Yeah. You could see these boys. Yeah. Just like. Well, okay, I'm different from my, yeah. when I was three days ago yeah. because of that. And important psychological shifts Massive. That, that go with that. Like the world doesn't center around me mm. for one. Like I'm a part of the world and I have a responsibility to contribute. Mm. You know, that's something that I've seen. I've worked in various like areas of health. I was a commissioner, so I worked in politics for four years. Um, What's a, a commissioner? They're an advisor. I was an advisor to the PM at the time. Cool. Um, so that was a radical journey. And then through that, I became a consultant that consulted in lots of different areas, private health, um, as well as public health. And just saw like in so many instances, leaders that had huge influence, like their decisions were influencing millions of, of people, millions mm. of Australians. And yet they were still boys. They were mm. still girls. You know, they didn't have the perspective. It was still about them. And that's like, mm. it was shocking to see that. And that's when I started to really become extremely passionate about understanding initiation because what I also started to see was the initiation that wasn't happening or it was happening through a peer-to-peer -peer kind of structure because it has to happen anyway. Rite of passage yeah. will happen. It might not be well facilitated. My rite of passage was anorexia. Mm. That was me initiating myself was into- violence, street yeah, violence and crime. Right, into what I thought it meant to be a successful woman in the world. Mm -hmm. That's That was my ideal and mm. what was kind of sold to me as an aspiring performer at that time. Mm. Um, so I was aspiring to that, you know, that was my challenge. That yeah. was my mountain to conquer craziness. Um, but that but these destructive, right? And so what I started to see in, in all humans is that first relationship that we be developed with change and transition, unless we're shown a different way, mm. will become the default. Yeah. Totally. So the 50-year-old guy that I'd talked to at the pub out in, you know, Kanamala or Karatha or wherever, whatever crazy community I was in was actually no different to the 13 year old boys I was working with. It was the same. He was coping with pain, with, with change and the pain that came with change and letting go in the same exact way, mm. because that's what they saw to be the default, the default. Yeah. yeah. And that's was like, wow. Okay. So change and our ability to accept change is really, I believe the, fundamental element of um, what it means to be anti-fragile and resilient mm. and be able to become a successful human being in whatever definition that is for you, what, whatever mm. success means for you, unless you can step into new versions of yourself again and again and again. One of the practices for me is every breath, you know, what is my resistance to relinquishing my ideas of who I am? Mm. Every breath. Beautiful. And that's, you know, a milestone that I aspire to, to, to embody one day is to be, to be able to relinquish the self so gracefully, like to just have no attachment. Mm. That's freedom for me. Totally. No That's fear can exist in that place because there's nothing mm. to lose. Mm. You already have everything. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I love that. It's a letting go process mm. that relinquishing the ideas of me. We are conditioned to live in our heads, mm. sit down, repeat the answer, listen, repeat the answer, good boy, bad boy, A student, B student, like we're conditioned constant media, 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 media. Yeah. Letting go of that and being in that presence, mm. uh, you know, from here to here, being in that presence of love, mm. that is, and I love that you framed it as the rite of passage that we're going through right now. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like collectively then? Mm. You talk a lot about bringing community together. You said you got 14,000 people in a Facebook group alone. Mm. There's probably other people out there doing this, that, and whatever. But hey, guys. hey <laughs> what does it look like then uh, from your 
uh, vision of where we're going with this of the collective community rite of passage mm. and how do we help facilitate that? It's a really amazing question. I mean, I'm totally biased because I work towards this one particular vision of getting to critical mass with love. Um, I, I think the first thing I would say to this is see yourself as a facilitator, see yourself as a, a change agent and a leader. Like mm. that's the first step. And it starts with you, I think, very bad examples of leadership have been role modeled to us. I have a very simple definition of leadership and that's a leader demonstrates unless, mm. unless they're demonstrating, they're not, they're not actually leading. Mm. So if you really want to play your part, I think it begins in, you know, often when I ask people, what are the conversations right now in your life that you're too afraid to have? It's like there immediately. So start with that. What are the conversations you're not having? What, what truth are you not speaking right now? Um, what radical honesty yeah what ignorance are you not um, educating if we can begin there um, what I know to be true is we'll start to show up differently for each other because mm. we're showing up differently for ourselves mm. and um, that creates space you know I see a lot of relationships and a lot of individuals not be able to have the space for initiation and growth in their own life because they're holding on to um, circumstances and people that are not actually, it's not, it's not real. It's not their truth. It's mm -hmm. coming from a place of attachment and fear. So if you can begin there, like clear your space, <laughs> like what's actually real for you inside, be present with that, whatever you're running away from, start mm -hmm. there and speak to that. And it's going to feel uncomfortable. This is the thing. And it's like people come to our retreats and our trainings and it's it's almost like they, they want to find in that space like the, the answer that bypasses all of the pain, mm. especially with a movement called Love Out Loud. People think it's warm and fuzzy. And like one of the things I'll say straight away is love's challenging. Mm. Like love is the hard truth. It's a sword. It's not always going to feel, you know, warm and fuzzy. Mm. Um, but when you lead with that – then there's so much more space for the the beautiful feelings to occur mm. because it's going to be real. It's not. It's founded on something that's tangible and real. Mm. Um, so if we want to initiate ourselves as humanity, like it's it's the ancient message. Start with yourself. Awaken mm. yourself. Become honest with yourself, and don't allow your attachments to the things around you to take you away from that truth. And be prepared for what that looks like. You know, I meet resistance every day. People come up against me and call me all sorts of things. Um, I was, uh, it happened recently. I was, I was telling you before at the start of the week, um, I was getting accused of always knowing the answer. And all I could say to that was that is the truth for me. Like love is the answer mm. and it's not my message. Like I stand on the shoulders of giants. They're the people that, um, I believe I follow in the footsteps of have existed for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. I just see myself as a custodian of that message. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, to in especially Australian culture, to not let that throw you for me to be like, oh, okay, well, maybe I won't know the answer because that's going to make you more comfortable. Yeah. Like I've got to fight in those moments for what I know to be true, mm -hmm. um, no matter how I'm seen, you know, because that's their journey. And if you just keep demonstrating what your truth is and you can rest easy at night knowing that that's your truth, mm. amazing. You've given that person such a gift mm. of self-reflection in the process of that. Even if they're uncomfortable in it. Yeah. Like you say, love and the journey especially to letting go of that which is not love. Yeah. Because to me that's all we're doing. We're mm. just letting go of everything that isn't who we really are. Yeah. And because of the attachment to that, that can be difficult. Yeah. There can be pain in that. Yeah. Uh, we're losing an idea of that being part of me yeah. because it's just been, it's been there for so long. Yeah, you know? that's And that's right. going to be uncomfortable, but if we keep doing it and especially sitting in circle, yeah. like you were saying about just being honest with other people if there's a challenge, that can be really difficult for a person on their own. Yeah. But any facilitated uh, circle, like mm. all Indigenous people sat circle. Yeah. They didn't sit hierarchical pyramids. Yeah. I'm very – guys that have listened to me for a long time, I'm always about circle. We've got to sit circle. We've got to sit circle. Yeah. We do the work together and we help each other to let go of that which is in ourselves. Yeah. Those difficult conversations lead to more – uh, easy conversations, which mm. lead to, like you're saying, always knowing the answer yeah. is coming back to love. That's right. And it can look a thousand different ways. Mm. 
but that if that be, if you how do I want to say this? I feel when you practice this and it becomes an embodied thing that you live every single day. Um, my argument would be everyone would reach that same conclusion. You know that that you do will you will eventually land in love yeah. if you keep choosing honesty, if you keep choosing your truth again and again and again, regardless like of outside uh, yeah. manipulation. Otherwise, that's right. Coming and back those people that you know hate mm. you in the process of that, there will be a reconciliation. Like I believe this is the soul's path. We're mm. in a constant process of reconciling ourselves yeah. back to a place of wholeness, which mm. is love. Mm. So if you hate someone for being in their truth is only a matter of time before you're confronted with that lesson mm -hmm. you know like you have to come back to a place of forgiveness it's the same thing with what's happening on in Australia and, and the conversation we were having before about that and this land we can't it is so ignorant to think that we can just like out of sight, out of mind. You're referring, I don't think this was in this episode, the Indigenous uh, relationship with the Indigenous people? Yeah, and, just yeah. Australians having opinions right now about, about what's happening in America and yeah, not yeah, looking yeah. at what has happened here on this land, mm. that it's only a matter of time before that has to be faced and confronted mm. and, um, and processed. And I think this is also the individual soul's journey that maybe we go through things in our life and we've tried to run away from them. Traumas, um, areas where you've done wrong, you know, you've been out of your integrity. There's actually no running away from that. Mm -hmm. You can try. Three things will always come out, the sun, the moon, and the truth. <laughs> and um, it's fucking hard. Like I actually wrote a piece the other day, um, like a spoken word, spoken philosophy piece yeah. about this, that, um, you can't actually be saved from from the darkness. There's no cure for that other than through. Mm. You've got to actually feel it. You've got to face off with yourself. That's that's the real war. That's the real initiation that needs to happen. Yeah. And when initiations were facilitated, that's actually what, what was happening. There was that person facing off with their own fear, their own idea of morality, mm. their own idea of mortality. Mm -hmm. Mortality, um, that's the biggest darkness that there is. Yeah, and totally. we're taught to believe that death is the enemy. Yeah. The death is something to run away from, be scared of. And death and then is so beautiful. It's beautiful. All our fears are coming from that, we wrap this up, coming from that idea of death as this forever darkness thing, yeah. whereas it's life. Yeah. Like we're talking about It's another food. moment. It's another moment. Yeah. And like if we if we could start to understand that, you know, the um the exhalation dies to the inhalation every mm, time you exactly. breathe. Like there's so many examples of death. Um that and who knows is, if you're gonna get another inhalation. That's right. We don't know. It's a blessing if it's there. Totally. I'm not gonna live in fear every time I breathe out. Yeah. And how does it it actually feels amazing? Like breathe in and hold your breath. Yeah. By the time, and if you keep holding your breath to the to a point where it's a forced exhalation, you feel relief. Mm. It's a it's a sense of letting go, a sense of surrendering, and that's that's the gift in death. Um, and death is figurative as well. You know, we don't think about that very often. I think as a Western civilization, we don't see death as a figurative concept mm. it's like it's a physical thing that happens at the end of your life as nicole gibson mm -hmm. and um identity gone cole's yeah, gone boom that's finished. it whereas um we're meant to go through many deaths in yeah. our life you know well, even the rite of passage these initiations is a death, is a death. Totally. it's a death to the boy or the the girl yeah. the, the old and yes. the birth to the new exactly. that inhale exhale is the perfect example yeah not to be feared so we got five minutes yeah you got to get out of here um God, I wish we had another hour. It's a good <laughs> conversation. We can do this again. So, look, we're all – my understanding of what the hell is going on right now is that we're all channeling a point of light mm. from one big sun and that sun is coming to shine on this earth. Mm. Whether we want it to or not, it's going to shine and it's a beautiful sun. It's a sun of love. Mm. So you've got 350 million people that need to be gathered from my perspective, I've got community to gather as well and there's all these other leaders out there who've got all these other communities to gather. It's not separate. They're, yeah. again, points of light coming through clouds but it's That's the right. same sun that we're going to. Mm. How do we do it together? Mm. Um, I think step one is willingness. <laughs> yeah. 
again, it's like it's not rocket science. I think we can get so caught in like, okay, strategically how does this work? Mm -hmm. But if we are willing, like I see this as divine will. This is God's will. You just you, you said it in your own way just then, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call um, that ultimate creator, nature's will even. So if we allow um, and we're willing mm. and that means like what part of you is still wrapped up in significance. Yeah. And, if, and fear. And fear, exactly, of like what will this mean um, if I let go of this being like mine mm. and, and it starts to be ours? What and that's that? the ego separation. And yeah. it's I've, I was having a conversation with these guys this morning about we're looking at um, how do we collaborate, how do we cooperate, even in creating a community space yep. here on the Gold Coast to gather the tribes. Great. And part of my mind is like, oh, letting go of control. Mm -hmm. And I notice like, oh, these demons from the, it's just conditioning. It's not yeah. good, bad or otherwise. It's just that's the familiar totally. that has been conditioned. And as soon as that comes up for me, like you say, the willingness, mm -hmm. I don't know what's on the other side of that. I don't yeah. know what full freedom looks like that's right. other than a concept, but I'm willing to trust enough to let go just a little bit more yeah. and then take And if take you a need to forward. rationalize it, it's a beautiful example. Just think about it as like me and my wholeness can achieve so much, yeah. you know. You and your wholeness can achieve so much. Of course, both of us coming together in a non-resistance mm -hmm. and a willingness means that we can create more. Yeah. Like, of course it does, that we often see it as a sacrifice, that like if I create space for you, then that's going to come at the expense of me. Yeah. A story I always tell um, when I speak is the first awareness I ever had of this was in fifth grade and I asked one of my friends to help me study for a maths exam. And her words to me were, no, because if I help you do better, then I'll do worse. Hmm. And that's just fundamentally Incorrect. You know, it's like game. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Actually, if you were to teach me, it would reinforce your, your knowledge, knowledge. Yeah. and um, you would actually do better, and I would do better. Um, but it, that's the mindset. You know, there's not enough that's space. There's not yeah. enough space for you and me. Mm. Whereas, like, when you want to look at it through divine eyes, it's just it's ridiculous that you take up the space you take up. It doesn't matter how much I try and oppress you, how much I try and control you, how much I try and dominate you and and fight you will still take up the space that you create. Mm. The only difference will be that you and I will be living in an illusion that you are less than because of my, my dominance, mm. but it's not actually the truth. And again, like come back to that truth. Whereas if you acknowledge that truth and you lead with that truth, there's no threat. Like it mm. doesn't matter what you do. I, I am sovereign. Mm. You can try and repress me or oppress me and I, I can't be, like my soul is infinite. Mm. And when you realise that about yourself, when you understand that you're sovereign in any moment, the universe loves you abundantly, but that doesn't mean that it, it has to love you more so than you. No, no that's right. Like, it's not a zero-sum game. If, that's if, right. If you are more loved, it I'm amplifies. less loved. It, it amplifies. It yeah. has to amplify. That's yeah. why I know that we're in good hands and we are totally being taken care of mm. because how many conversations like this I've had with how many different people, mm. we're all going in the same direction. Yeah. We're all willing to let go of the known, the fear of the past yeah. and go into the unknown, mm. that freedom of the future. That's right. And it's just the process of shedding that old scales, that old skin. And it's so exciting. Like let's just spend mm. some time actually thinking about how the world would be if we all met in that place. I think about it every day. Yes, we spend <laughs> and so, so many much of time. us are thinking yeah. about that. But actually like if if you haven't spent time or you don't spend time doing actively doing that. Mm -hmm. Um like this is my invitation before we finish this conversation yeah. to actually visualize how the planet and humanity would be if that became the starting point. Creative possibility, love unity, togetherness, like yeah. that was the starting point. There was nothing to get through mm -hmm. to find connection. Well, that's where I want my son to live. Yeah. By the time he's cognitively making decisions for himself, he's only coming from that place. That's right. Create like so much creation would start to be birthed. Oh. Like we access such a short, small amount of our potential yeah. as, as human beings right now. We have such an immense potential, such yeah. an immense intelligence and yet we're in so much, we have been in so much self-preservation, mm -hmm. fighting, not enoughness, that we're not meeting our potential, mm -hmm. that we're 
trying to get our needs met in every single moment just to feel okay and to feel validated versus I'm a powerful sovereign being. Like, so is this other human being in front of me. Let's meet there and like mm. see what we can create. Exactly. What mm. what canvas can we can we make from that place? Mm. Um, that excites me so much as a creator, as a creative person. That's what I want. Like my greatest challenge in life has been to find other rare souls that aren't in their own way, so that I can mm. actually like jam and create. Link arms. And exactly. Yeah, be stronger together. Yeah, and see myself mirrored in that person exactly. as well. It's like as a collaborator, that's the mm. greatest gift that you can hold up a mirror because I have blind spots as a human being. Like I didn't – making the album that I'm making right now, that was like a series of people feeding it back to me. Like the way you can speak and the way that you are with words, you can do this. Whereas mm. like me growing up, musicians, I put them on such a pedestal. I was like there's no way I could ever be like that amazing. And it was through being supported and believed in by others that I opened my mind to that possibility and we can give each other that gift it doesn't take much it's just what you see like we do see each other we have an ability to see each other so why don't we just start speaking to that and actually elevating each other through that and i think for anyone watching and listening that is a, a really big point who have you got around you that you can be seeing and vibrating off or like the music scene jamming with yeah jamming your music your vibes off each other because we are still a little isolated and separated and I'm again speaking to the people out there is like come together find yeah. those couple of people you can be radically honest with totally that you can see start them the for who they are start and be okay to have fear when you initiate that conversation yeah. but have the courage to do it anyway yeah just name it Go be for like, it. yo, I want more intimate relationships. Yeah. I want to actually create more intentionality in my relationship with you. Like mm. people froth it. When I invite people into that space inside of me, people are like, wow, like that, that's amazing. Like, it, cause it hasn't even occurred to them that mm. you, that we can do that as human beings. Mm. We can actually like, we don't have to fall back into the patterns of how we've seen friendship in the past or how mm. we've seen relating in the past. We can actually create actively new, create that. Mm, exactly. Yeah. We've got to get you out of here. So yeah. Nicole, thank you so much for coming today. I hope that all you guys out there that are either listening or watching have uh, gained some inspiration. Thank you. We're on the same mission here and there's a lot of us that are. Mm. We're doing it together. That's the biggest thing, like you said, that willingness mm. and we'll surrender to that willingness and see what comes. Yeah. 350 million people, sign me up. Yes. Yeah. Tribe, you hear that, guys? Mm. How do we find you? Uh, jump into Love Out Louders. That would be the best. And where do they get that? So that's Facebook. Facebook. And Is it a group? Yeah, it's a group, L-O-U-D-E-R-S. Love Out Louders yep. Facebook group. Cool. So we keep everyone pretty up to date in that group about we're doing another global meditation on the 5th of July, 200,000 people. Beautiful. Be there. We're meditating for solidarity, to stand in solidarity, and then we're going to invite the meditators to take a pledge. Love that. 5th of July. And we'll get information in the Love Out Louders yep. group. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. I'm up for more of this conversation. Cool. Guys, thanks so much. If you enjoy this, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, share this with someone that you love, tag someone that you love, make sure you go and get onto Nicole. Uh, if you're on podcasts or anything, go and search Tribe of Freedom Podcast mm. and there's a lot more conversations like this. Cool. They're all pretty rad. Yeah. But thanks so much, Nicole. Love you heaps. Thanks, Scotty. You too. See you guys.